Chapter Twelve of Cats by the Way by Sarah E. Trueblood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Glen, Gale, and Victor, two cats and a dog. Glen and Gale are brothers and live on a farm in southern Indiana. But sad to relate, like many human brothers, they are far from being congenial. And but for the amiable, forgiving spirit of Glen, I do not think the same house or farm would have helped them as this has done for a number of years. Their names fairly represent them. Glenn, with his peaceful, quiet disposition and attractive appearance, white face, pink nose, white shirt front, and long white gloves and hose, drab coat and cap. The most affectionate cat I've ever known, as he is always ready to give and receive caresses, no matter where or when accosted. Most cats have their moods, and at times do not care to be hindered or disturbed by love-making. Glenn's most soothing delight is to rub his face and head against the chins of the young men of the family, the slight roughness being very agreeable to him. Gale is a pretty cat also, a Maltese grey, with no white, and notwithstanding his very nervous, uncertain disposition and crabbed countenance, I am truly fond of him. Rarely, very rarely, does he care for the caress, but occasionally seeks it, and then is very sweet and charming. Poor fellow, he has a high temper to battle with, and we wonder sometimes if he does not feel a wee mite sorry after he has soundly boxed poor Glenn's unoffending ears, or plunged his claws unceremoniously into Victor's innocent fat sides. For Victor is the most gentlemanly, considerate dog, as far as cats are concerned, that it has ever been my lot to know. He and Glenn are very fond of each other. They take their naps huddled up into one heap, or stretched out together by the roaring wood fire. Many a time I have seen Victor hurry out to meet Glenn when he has seen him returning across the fields from a morning hunt. They kiss or touch noses. Then Glenn rubs and winds round Victor's short brown legs, purring out his little love words all the time. When the glad meeting is over, they return to the house together. Both cats are great hunters on the farm, but think it quite beneath them to interfere in any way with the house mice. These come and go at will. They nibble and gnaw with never a cat's paw raised against them. Tis the young rabbits, the birds, and the field mice that tickle the palates of Glen and Gale. The brothers are alike in seeking unusual, out-of-the-way places for their naps. If a closet door be left open, that is fine. If it happen to be a cupboard for china or table linen, "'Tis luck indeed, for linen makes a soft, cool bed, "'and even china is not objectionable on a hot summer day, "'as it always presents a cool surface. "'They love to stretch themselves on beds or bureaus. "'An open trunk has seemed particularly inviting to Gale. Glen likes to sit on the clock shelf immediately in front of the clock. "'He often sits there for a long time, "'cocking his head on one side and gazing about him with a high and mighty air. But the dearest place of all, when they long for a good, sound, uninterrupted sleep, is in the attic, nothing to disturb then but the buzzing of the wasps and mud-daubers, or the clatter of birds' claws on the roof. A trap-door admits them to this attic, but all too seldom is it left open, so they think, for we have often seen them looking longingly towards it when closed. Let us hope that it will never be shut with poor pussies within, for they would have to speak up very loudly for their liberty. Glen, Gale, and Victor drink their milk from the same dish, but Victor's great cuppy tongue rapidly makes way with it, and the cats are left hungry. 
Gale frequently looks out for this and uses the before-mentioned clause to very good advantage, so that a part at least of the meal is reserved for himself and brother, although the brother also is quite often ordered to step back and leave room for his betters at the feast. A few words more must be said of Victor, for he is such a dear dog. Good-natured, affectionate, and intelligent, a dog with a very sweet tooth. He loves above all things cookies, candy, sugar, preserves, or even a piece of well-sweetened pie, if tucked into his mouth point foremost, will send him off with a happy wag of his stumpy tail to enjoy it in the cool grass without. But cookies, that is the one word in the English language for him. One corner of the dining room is known as cookie corner. We say, cookie, and he flies to this spot and sits there meekly, but with very bright, expectant eyes, his fat body squeezed tight into the corner. As soon as the cookie is in sight, he bounds into the nearest chair, sits up, and speaks before he receives the delicious sweet. At first his voice is husky from excitement, but he has to quiet his nerves and speak out clearly before the cookie is his. His fondness for such things being well known, his friends both far and near remember him. A little girl in a nearby town always comes laden with her bag of cakes and candy for Victor and Candy has traveled by mail from Pennsylvania afar to fall into his ever-ready jaws. But the dog works well for his wage. He is a faithful, watchful attendant, and a fine hunter. We have known him to keep going until he was almost ready to die from heat and exhaustion. We have hung over him with our big palm-leaf fans, and have wet his wrists and head with cooling water, not knowing what the end might be. His fat is very much against him, that I suppose is the result of his sweet tooth. Above all sports he delights in ball-playing, and I never saw his equal among dogs. He has his own ball, and is always anxious for a game, seldom missing a catch no matter in what way the ball may be thrown. Victor has always associated with cats more than with dogs, and as he hobnobs so beautifully with them I have sometimes wondered if he does not think that he himself is a fine big cat. End of chapter 12